Enlorn. And I'm Donna Grace. Welcome to the Life Rebalanced Podcast. On today's episode of the Life Rebalanced Podcast, we're speaking with Becky Blake. Becky is a money and lifestyle design coach at 20free.co and the host of the Find Your Freedom Podcast. She shares actionable tips and inspirational interviews on how you can find financial freedom and design the lifestyle of your dreams. Becky went from $100,000 in debt to $100,000 in savings in just five years. Then she used her financial freedom to quit her job, start her own business, and design a lifestyle of travel by age 26. In her free time, Becky enjoys designing tiny houses and planning her next trip. Becky, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Donna. You have a really, in my opinion, really cool view about the idea of financial independence and the movement that's called FIRE. And I loved hearing your story. So I've listened to your podcast, Find Your Freedom, a couple of times. And it really stems from your own personal journey, right? Of being a student and being in debt and then paying down debt and now pursuing a life of financial freedom. So could you start off by telling our listeners about your story and what moved you to pursue the FIRE movement, I guess is the right way to say it. Am I even saying it right? Yeah, pursuing FIRE. Pursuing FIRE. And then how you've kind of changed it to really fit your own needs and your own desires. Sure. So I graduated college in 2015. And a couple of weeks before I graduated, realized that, oh, oops, I borrowed $100,000 to go to college. Now I have to pay off this debt. And that was my first foray into really trying to make a plan about my finances. I had very good financial education for my parents when I was younger, but when you don't have a significant income, you know, I've been working several part-time jobs, but never really made more than $10,000 a year. When you're younger and you don't have that much of an income, it's hard to plan for your future. When you are making part-time money, you're using that to support your lifestyle and just pay for things like groceries and... Part-time money is for current needs, yeah. right? It's, it's it's for your current needs now. You're not thinking about what, what it's going to do for you in the future. No, not at all. Exactly. <laughs> no. So as much as people, you know, who are educated about personal finance later, say in their 20s and their 30s, say, I wish I had started investing when I was 18. In reality, we we frequently don't have the resources to do that. Almost don't. So definitely. <laughs> when I was 21 and I graduated, I went into my first full-time role and I finally had the money to start working towards my future while also providing for myself in the present. And I had come across the idea of financial independence and early retirement. It's called FIRE. And I just hadn't had the resources to take any moves towards that. And how old were you at this time? I was 21 when I graduated. So at 21, I think it's really important to kind of take a step back because when I go back and think about myself at 21, even coming from a background where my father worked in personal finance, like this was very much a part of my life. I don't think that that is something I would have viewed as that wasn't at the front of my mind. I I think that if I can really take myself back to that place, I was far more thinking about like accumulation for more near-term needs and desires. So is this just your personality? Is this something that came from your parents or, or were your friends doing it? Like what made you feel that this was 
this was the thing that you were going to do? Why was it at the front of your mind? I think I have to credit a lot of it to the fact that I was an avid reader when I was younger. Good for you. (laughs) One of the most life-changing books that I read was The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. In this book, I read this when I was 14. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Way earlier than most people would pick up a book like that. You know, I was- Becky, I have a (laughs) (laughs) 14-year-old. Give them that that book. He's not reading that. I think I'm going to put it on his bed and tell him this is your this is your summer reading. Yeah. So my mom is the person who gave it to me. She had always supported my interest in reading, and it's funny because while I was an avid reader, I was never interested in reading what we were assigned in school. I still haven't read most of the classics, but when I found something that piqued my interest. I got very, very into it. And Mm -hmm. I started to do some research and I started to daydream and think about how it could apply to my life. So this book, The 4-Hour Workweek, introduces the concept, and I think it popularized the term lifestyle design. Mm -hmm. That, in a nutshell, is being able to create a lifestyle that aligns with your priorities and values. So you can do that in a variety of ways. The ways that the book puts forward is usually entrepreneurship-based, as well as ideas of location independence, which was highly interesting to me as someone who was clearly not location independent. I lived at my parents' house. I was in high school. I had never had much experience traveling, but always wanted to. I think- hey, Let's be clear. You had no independence. I know. You were still a teenager. Yes. You were so impressive. This, this is so fascinating to me. <laughs> but one of the things that I like to talk about when I share, you know, oh, I read this book when I was 14 is I didn't take mm-hmm. action on it. I didn't actually do anything about it no. for six or seven years. It planted a seed. Exactly. Planted a seed. And so when you were seeing things, you were seeing it through the lens of realizing that this was a possibility. Yeah. And I think that's huge, right? When you realize that there are possibilities out of the traditional norms that we see, out of the stereotypical like work life that we see. You said the four-hour work week, like lifestyle design concept is very much entrepreneurship based. And it would have to be Mm -hmm. because working in the corporate world or at a typical job, you don't have the freedom. Right. You don't have the freedom to design that. While I say, you know, I read this really early and I started pursuing fire Mm -hmm. at a relatively early time in my life. It usually takes me several years after I learn about a concept to figure out how it fits into my life and to be able to take action on it. So that's something I like to share because you could look at my story and say, well, between the ages of 21 and 26, you know, I've done a huge amount of things, but I've been preparing for that for like 10 years. So I don't want it to seem like you have to start so early to be able to make these big changes. You You had concepts that were planted well, you planted them, frankly, or your mother planted them by giving you a book, bless her. That was a very smart move on her part. But I don't know if I would say you were establishing habits at a young age, but you were establishing principles or grasping principles at a young age that would help you establish really good habits. So you were really forming your adult philosophy around lifestyle and money and earning and and what you value at a really, really young age when, frankly, I look at teens right now and they're, they're going through a weird time right now with mm-hmm. COVID and everything. But in general, I mean, most teens are just focused on like where their team is playing next, what video game is coming up, and can they just get through school at this point? But you were really forward looking and realizing that you had it within your own power to make choices that would give you freedom. And that's what it's really about. Exactly. So 
I was creating this philosophy. I like how you were saying that. And that eventually developed into a very conscious activity of figuring out what my core values are. By doing that and saying, what are the guiding values in my life? What kind of lifestyle would support each of these values, right? And it wasn't a laundry list. I have four core values and we can talk a little bit if you want about how to come up with those for yourself. Mine are health, happiness, freedom, and purpose. So those can take many different forms, right? They're not super specific. And I think that's kind of the virtue of them there will be many different things that I do in my life and I may have many different careers and I may live in many different places, but you can find facets of each of these values in whatever lifestyle you choose to create in whatever iteration of the lifestyle design that you're pursuing. That has helped me. It's acted like a compass. When I have a decision between two things, I can say, does this align with my core values? Will making this choice or making this change help me move closer to what I want my life to look like. And I call it my ideal life. And it's not something that I expect to be stagnant, you know, a picture of my life and I'm going to achieve mm -hmm. it. And that's going to be it because that wouldn't be super fulfilling to say, okay, well, I've reached my ideal life at the age of 30. And, and now I guess I'm going to do the same thing for the next 50 years. Left. <laughs> um, I, I do think that life is an ever evolving process, which is why having these guideposts is really important because you can continue to change and continue to grow and you can accept that you're going to mm -hmm. want different things at different points in your life, but still make sure that you're making choices that are true to yourself and your desires and your values instead of taking these things that tend to be defaults in society. We hear a lot of things that other people want us to do or expect from us, or we hear kind of a narrative in either our culture or our country that we should be pursuing these different stages in these different orders, but we can kind of create our own narrative by having these core values. No, I think a lot of people hear about fire and just think it means like my initial impression of it was, okay, it's a math problem. You figure out what kind of income you need to be able to generate from your assets and you save up enough money until you can do that reasonably. And then you can stop working. And my thought then was, well, my goodness, then what? Yeah. Because Lauren and I both work in financial planning, mainly with, or often I should say, with pre-retirees and retirees. And so what you're talking about is, you know, very consistent with a lot of the conversations that we have with our clients on a daily basis about what do you value? What are your goals? What now that you don't have to work anymore, what is the vision that you see for yourself as a happy person in retirement? We often say, you know, retiring is just doing more of what you really love. And so for some people, that means continuing to work because they really do love, or maybe it's continuing to work in a different way. For others, it's not, but it really is built around what you just described, which is what do you value? And that is what you bring with you wherever you go. You don't change at your core. If you live truly based around a certain set of guiding principles and values, those don't change. You bring them with you and you apply them in whatever setting or situation you're in. So it's an extremely mature attitude that you adapted at a very young age to be able to say, I am going to figure out what my core values are. I mean, your early 20s is a time when people are just figuring themselves out in general, figuring out what am I good at? How can I add value to the world? What makes me happy? And what might my life look like? 
And you're over here doing it from a really, really solid and principled place. I think that's super impressive. I actually think that's more impressive than the debt that you paid down, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Can you actually talk about what that experience was like? I mean, you said you paid off a hundred or, or $70,000 over the course of two years. So that takes a lot. Yeah. It takes planning, decision-making, dedication, hustle, and it has to take some sacrifice. So can you, mm. it has to, right? So can you talk about what that experience was like and how you felt at the end of it, like what you learned, if you wish you did anything differently and how that experience guided the next stage of your life. Sure. So I paid off $70,000 in a year and eight months, which was actually that is remarkable. much faster <laughs> than my original plan was three years. So I said, I'm going to be done with the high interest portion of my student loans in three years. Mm-hmm. So there were several choices that I made I decided what I was going to do was work very aggressively towards this debt payoff because I knew that making those sacrifices in the beginning of my early financial life would have compounding effects throughout the rest of my life and my financial life. Or the interest you were paying would have compounding effects, right? One or the other. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it's interesting because I do have to say we talk a lot about sacrifice in debt payoff and there is sacrifice that goes into it, but you're also sacrificing something if you continue to carry debt. Yeah, So certainly, I recognize that that was the case. And one of the things that I constantly pursue in my life, and it's one of the reasons that I have a podcast exploring other people's stories about this, is freedom. And I think having debt was a huge limiting factor on my freedom. So I accepted that there would be limitations on my freedom during the debt payoff journey and that that would eventually open up other options for me in the future after I was done paying off my debt. So part of that was I moved back in with my parents. And I know that's not an option for everyone. And it was certainly not something that I wanted to do. And I knew- Sounds very exciting at 22, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you have lived independently for four years, when, yeah. you know, the reason I went into debt is because I went out of state and I wanted to be mm-hmm. at a school that was far away from my parents. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit ironic, right? And certainly I'm very fortunate that that was an option for me. Yeah. I considered, you know, potentially getting roommates or house hacking or doing something else that would make my living situation, Mm -hmm. while not probably idyllic, more affordable, and ultimately decided that that was the path for me to take. The other thing was I didn't inflate my lifestyle at all. So when we talk about lifestyle inflation, that means once you start making money, you inflate your expenses to to match that income. And like I said, I went from making $10,000 a year to making $50,000 a year as a fresh graduate out of college. Mm -hmm. So having five times the amount of income, I could have blown my expenses up five times, but I actually only spent a couple hundred dollars a month. My expenses were extremely low. I basically wouldn't do things unless they were free. So that meant no eating out. I didn't go out with friends for drinks. I didn't have a social life. I stayed at home for the most part and I worked two jobs. I had a full-time job. I had a part-time job. And that was for the first basically two years of my postgraduate life. Most of my actions were based on the question, will this help me pay off my debt? That's a mindset that was really helpful for me to be able to pay off my debt. But it 
certainly took the focus off of what I wanted my lifestyle to look like. Mm -hmm. That's why it became so important to me after my debt payoff journey to start figuring out how I could find some joy in my lifestyle while also working towards then my financial future of retiring and retiring early. If you'd like me to talk a little bit about my initial plan for early retirement, I was pursuing standard FIRE, right? Financial independence, retire early. When I graduated college, I said, I have to pay off this debt. And then what I'll do is I'll work really hard for 10 or 15 years, and I should be able to retire by the time I'm 35 years old. And when I made that plan, when I was 21 years old, I said, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound so bad. That, that doesn't sound like it'll take that long especially compared to your more standard 30-year career. It was half your life. (laughs) Exactly. And and that's coming from someone whose experiences had been entirely based on part-time work, full-time school, never in a full-time corporate role or in a management role, which I eventually developed and found relatively quickly within the first three years or so that a 15-year path to early retirement in a similar role was unsustainable for myself. You can deprive yourself for two years, but then at a certain point, you're like wasting your youth. (laughs) Like like you have beautiful experiences to have in your 20s and early 30s. And if you're, the idea of putting them off for even that long, I know it can work for some people, but it actually makes me kind of sad. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there's so much to be learning like about yourself and about life in that time. And if you're so singularly focused just on work, not suggesting that it's a bad idea, and I'm sure it's right for some people, but I know for me personally, my gosh, if I think about the interactions I would have missed, the experiences I would have missed, like that kind of makes me sad. So what did you do instead? How did you make it work for you? So what I realized after I said, you know what, this initial plan isn't going to work for me, is that so traditional retirement, when you work a, say, you know, 30 or 40 year career and retire at 65, that's a deferred life plan. And then in retirement, you're supposed to be living the lifestyle that you've worked so hard for and that you dreamed about. And in the meantime, you have more focus on your career instead of a more balanced focus on your life and your career. And that's what I would say is standard. It's not across the board for everyone, but that's certainly what I was taught career and retirement were like. And then FIRE is a condensed deferred life plan. So you just take that 30 years and you squish it down into 10 or 15 Mm. years. I'd say that's very much the baby boomer view. Like that's the life that they saw as the good life. Mm -hmm. You have a family, you work a job, you're honest, you work hard for 35, 40 years and you retire at 65 and you get a gold watch and then you do whatever. That's definitely a baby boomer view. From my experience, I think that what I'm I'm starting to see now from a lot of like Gen Xers is probably not quite what you're about to describe, but sort of like a hybrid in between. People are starting to catch on to what you've realized, which is the idea that you don't need to defer things until you retire and that work life, there can be a balance of it. So how are you doing that? I like how you said it was a hybrid approach because that's definitely the case. And there there are many different ways that are kind of buzzwords, I guess, in this new thinking about fire. Mm -hmm. 
the community is evolving. The concept hasn't been around for very long. And so the early pioneers went through a very condensed deferred life plan. And as people are realizing that that didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily feel fulfilling and the journey wasn't enjoyable and it was not sustainable for those people. And ultimately that retirement doesn't look like laying on the beach and not doing any more work for the rest of your life for most people. So when you retire at 35, you're looking forward to a huge portion of your life that will most likely involve some amount of meaningful work. So why do we have to work at jobs or why do we tell ourselves that we have to work at jobs that we don't necessarily enjoy and that we have to work 80 hours a week and that we have to sacrifice our life and our relationships and our health for this career part when those two things can exist simultaneously in a balanced way. There's a big difference between working at a job and doing meaningful work. Yeah. All work has some value to it. But what you're describing is the idea of getting fulfillment out of the work that you're doing. And some people can find fulfillment in work that others cannot. But when I look at people, my I would say the older Gen Xers who are starting to get closer to retirement years, a lot of them are looking at pulling back from the grind of the job they have. A lot of people get to this point, they're in their late 50s maybe, and they've never been smarter, right? They've never had more knowledge or wisdom or experience. And you're talking about looking at maybe mid-30s. And even at that point, you're just kind of, if you're in a career, if you're a professional, you're just kind of getting to the point where you are really highly competent at what you do now. So if you feel a calling to that work in any way, shape or form, I know for me, it wouldn't align with my personal values of wanting to contribute and be productive but still wanting to enjoy my family and enjoy my life and finding not being stuck in the grind. So it's interesting. You're, you're still talking about a little bit younger than, than I think I could do, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it's the, the idea of doing the work you want. Is that kind of what it is? Exactly. Or working because you want to? Right. If you take the early retirement part out of it and you just look at financial independence, financial independence or financial freedom, as it's sometimes mm-hmm. called, is about having the freedom to make choices based on meaning, not on money. So if you achieve financial freedom, mm-hmm. you can pursue work that's meaningful, whatever meaningful means to you, whatever the definition of that word looks like. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think in the way that we used to teach people, even my age, the way that I learned about things like retirement is that you wait until retirement to do that meaningful work. You do the work that pays the bills when you're younger and Mm -hmm. you you have a lot of energy and it's okay to work 80 hours a week and only sleep five hours a night. And that is what I wanted to get away from. But in realizing that you don't ever have to do that and you don't have to wait to do meaningful work. I mean, that's a big mindset shift. I think it sounds very simple, but it changes the entire paradigm of your life. I thought working in a field where there is a lucrative private sector and a very poorly paying public sector, I wanted to work in nonprofits and I wanted to change the world. And I thought that that was my reason for retiring early was to finally be able to, in my mid thirties, start doing that meaningful work because it wouldn't allow me to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. But if you're pursuing a hybrid approach where you're able to include things about your lifestyle that you care about, as well as your career, as well as making that career involve meaningful work, you can really 
not have to escape from work. You don't need to find that early retirement date. You don't need to get out of the cubicle or get out of the rat race because it doesn't feel like a rat race. Mm. I think that's what most people actually want to pursue, right? I think whether they've put a label on it or not, I feel like for a lot of people, that is what they want. So how do you, like from a practical standpoint, how do you start? Like if I'm someone who's been working for a few years and I've got bills and maybe you've accumulated some debt, I'm working in a job. I like the work that I do, but man, it's hard working, you know, 50 hours a week. How do you go about getting from where you are to designing the lifestyle that you want, if that's the right way to say it. But what do I do? (laughs) The first step I would say is making a decision. And so when you are able to choose work-life balance, and that's something that Mm -hmm. you want for yourself, it makes it a lot easier because the word decision comes from the Latin word that means to cut off. So you're cutting off some avenues, some options. Something. And that's actually a good thing. It's very freeing to make a decision. Yeah. So if you decide what I want is to design my lifestyle, what I want to do is consciously pursue meaningful work mm-hmm. that balances with my lifestyle needs, whether that's time off to rest and recover, that's time with the people that I love, that's the ability to travel. I'm making this choice. And that means that when you get offered the promotion that would make you more money, but it will also mean that you have to travel more and you have to spend time away from your family and you have to work on nights and weekends. You can say, no, I've made a decision that my life is as important as my money and I'm going to pursue balance in other ways and that this doesn't align with that decision that I made. So I'd say that's the first important step. So being really clear on why you're saying yes or no when offered choices. Exactly. Do you have to go kind of first and go through the steps of coming up with your core values? Do you think that that's where you really need to start before you can start actively pursuing things? I would say yes. I think that saying that you need to come up with your core values first sounds really daunting, but if it does, you, <laughs> but maybe it's not, if you want to come up with your core values, here is a really quick exercise. The mm. first thing would be figure out what makes everything else that you want in your life possible. Answers to that question might include health. It might include certain people that you have in your life, keeping those people in your life. It might include financial freedom or having financial resources. It doesn't have to be financial freedom. Those are the foundational building blocks of what you can build this lifestyle on top of. Then you go into the more aspirational parts of it, which are the things that bring you joy. What actually brings meaning and fulfillment to your life? Is that your work? Is that your hobbies? Is it your volunteering activities or giving or spending time with your loved ones and your relationships? You look for commonalities in these things that you've come up with. I have mine categorized into kind of four sections, but maybe something that you want is to be a teacher. You want to teach or you want adventure in your life or you value your health. I think that's the big foundation for a lot of people that may get neglected if they're not actively pursuing work-life balance. Oh, it definitely is. (laughs) Yes. It's something I've dealt with myself over time. So yes. So that's what I would recommend you come up with. It can be a brain dump onto a piece of paper, right? It doesn't have to be a super structured activity. Mm -hmm. And you decide where the common threads are in these things that you want in your life. 
I would encourage you to think big and to not worry about thinking that you can only have two or three things ever that that you're pursuing. But that again, these are guideposts. These help you make decisions. If you want to put things in order, if you want to say, above all else, my relationships matter to me, you can choose to do that. That's kind of up to your own personal preference. That'll help you make a decision when you come up against a work question. You know, it, should I make this decision at work? When you come up against a health issue, it'll help you make decisions to have these things that you value written down and available to you to use to guide those choices. I think that's probably important. You said to have them written down. Where do you write them down? Do you have them like on, like framed on a wall? Do you have them on the front page of a journal? Where do you have them? So I do have my core values in the front page of my journal. I knew it. Uh, And I (laughs) review that every morning and I have a vision board on my wall. So I think of my core values as these guiding lights throughout my life. Mm -hmm right? And things that will most likely always be applicable for the rest of the time that I'm alive. And then my vision board is shorter term. That is how can I take these more general concepts and apply them to my life in the next year, in the next five years, right? What do I want that life to look like? If I want to create a life of travel, if I want to create this very specific career path, if I want to have a family, those items are what are going to go on the vision board. And that's how you take the core values and you translate it into what your life actually looks like. So where do you stand now? Can you talk about like the current situation you are in and where you view that in terms of being on your journey towards your financial independence? Sure. So I, like I said, paid off all of that debt, Mm -hmm. decided that fire was not for me, at least the early retirement part of it. And made the decision that I was going to take basically a break from my career. And so what fields do you, did you work in? Environmental science. Okay. So I was working in a corporate consulting job. It was very mm-hmm. high stress. It was a lot of hours. There was mandatory overtime. It was not a career that aligned with my lifestyle. And it also wasn't this world changing you know, making the impact that I had wanted to make when I was younger and pursuing that degree. So I decided that I had already taken major steps forward to create a solid financial foundation. There's a lot of buzzwords in the FIRE community, and one of them is called Coast Fi. And what that means is you have enough retirement savings where you can coast to financial independence without having to continue to contribute your money to your retirement accounts. And that's due to compound interest. I mean, so meaning you could do the math by saying you put in a lump sum of money and mm-hmm. if you let this compound at a reasonable interest rate, and I have to think you would use a fairly conservative interest rate. Like, are you shooting for the stars here? How, how does that math work well, out? Well, you're factoring in inflation. <laughs> yeah. Everyone kind of does their own math. Okay. People who put a fire number for early retirement, a rule of thumb would be 25 times your annual expenses. You have okay. to have that money invested I didn't know in that. order to be fire, right? In order to be able to retire early. Now, there's, like I said, there's buzzwords here. So I can explain a few. There are different levels of fire. So they call it lean fire. If you can cover your most basic living expenses, Mm -hmm. that might be, say, 20 times your annual expenses. It's a little bit less conservative, a little more risky to do that because we don't know what the markets are going to do, especially over, say, a (laughs) 
50 or 60 year retirement. If this pandemic and the market drop taught us anything is that we have literally no idea what the market is actually going to do. (laughs) It's been remarkable. Right. So when you say coast fire Mm -hmm. and you say enough to retire off of, so it's a lump sum in tax deferred retirement accounts with the idea that this will compound at a tax deferred rate until 59 and a half when you can withdraw without penalty? Is that the idea? Right. So you can plug in the different factors. You can, you know, obviously what age you are now that affects Mm -hmm. the compounding and and amount, but also what age you plan on actually taking that money out. If you want it to be 65, if you want it to be 59 and a half, I could say I'm coast fine until I'm 45 and then I'm done working. So for me, we put in 59 and a half for my number. And when I say we, I mean my partner and I, and that is a level or a stage of financial freedom. So the thing that I've learned as I've gone through this journey is that there's several stages of financial freedom. And as you progress through the stages, you have additional options that become available to you. When you're debt-free, you can start making decisions about your work. You're not, you're no longer going to be so tied to the particular job or career that you're in. Mm -hmm. That might be stage one. And then when you have, this is another buzzword, but it's something that's called FU money, where you could say, FU, I'm out. And you can either quit a job, you can leave a relationship, you can... I say I had a different idea about FU money. I I never watched that show Billions. He talks about FU money and that's when you use money to like screw someone else. But yeah, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's more the freedom to... Yeah, do what you want. Right, exactly. To walk away from any situation that's no longer serving you. And that means you could quit a job. That is freedom. Yeah. That is freedom to me. The idea of when something does not serve you to be able to walk away, that to me is like true, true freedom. Exactly. And I think that's a a really critical stage to reach. Mm -hmm. I reached my FU money amount, and this was not really mathematically based. I said, I would feel comfortable quitting my job if I had $100,000 in assets. That would make me feel like I could do anything. If I paid off most of my debt and I have $100,000, I think... I can take some risks. I can make some choices that might be non-traditional. That is because you have designed a lifestyle in which you do not have obligations. You do not have large expenses. Absolutely. In order to do that, it's, and I think that that's really key here too, is when I was thinking about the idea that in your 20s, you created an idea about, or a vision for what you think you would need in retirement. And that is something that as someone who works with retirees, I see people change. It evolves all of the time. Mm -hmm. So the amount of income you think you would need in retirement today might be very different 10 years from now. And you may find yourself needing to save more money again. I like the idea that in your mind, there's flexibility built into this because although your core values don't change, ideas about what you may want to be able to do may change over time. I would think will change over time, quite frankly. How do you feel about that? Well, the only constant in life is change, right? And (laughs) humans are notoriously, notoriously awful at predicting (laughs) what they're going to want in the future. I barely know what I'm going to want for dinner. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But when when I look at my life and say, this is what I'm going to need when I'm 60 years old. How could you? I couldn't possibly. So when you're doing things that are mathematically based, I would urge you to be conservative. I think we decided our number that we said we would need in retirement is twice as much as we spend right now because we have very low living expenses. And again, that decision is going to be personal about what what makes you feel comfortable. 
for me, I know that we have many different types of capital and financial is only one of them. So Mm. every individual has human capital and you can always work. You can always provide value in some way. And you don't have to think of that as something you could do in your career or based on the skills that you have right now. But if I hopefully have another 60 to 80 years left in my life, I have 60 to 80 years that I could potentially earn money. How old are you now? May I ask? I'm 26. You're remarkable. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I do. I appreciate that. And I think that having that flexibility built in is one of the best reasons Mm -hmm. to take some calculated risks. I don't ever encourage anyone to make a risk without thinking about it, but if you make calculated risks in your life, mm-hmm. knowing that you have the flexibility to go back to work, you have the flexibility of having money saved, of not having, for me, a large amount of financial responsibility. I don't own a home. I don't have a dog. I don't have children. I'm not married. You know, there's there's a lot of mm-hmm. different levels with an individual of where you are mm-hmm. in freedom, in your obligations, and how that translates to your financial freedom. But everyone can find this place in how they're designing their life that makes sense for them, whether that's taking a career break, which could be called a mini retirement, mm-hmm. whether it's being semi-retired. A lot of people move into part-time work or they move into contract work, yeah. move into seasonal work. That is actually what I see a lot. The idea of mini retirement where one partner, and, and I will say that typically I see it happening in a two-partner relationship where maybe they take turns taking a couple of years off just to kind of recalibrate, reset. It's almost like having two careers. And I think part of that is actually having achieved some level of financial independence, quite frankly, where they set similarly to what you're doing, a goal to say, okay, I'm going to make sure we've saved enough money so I can take some time out so I can think about pursuing something I really want to pursue for the next chapter of my life. And the idea of the phasing into retirement is huge. A lot of people take on contract work very often with their own companies. They may have been very happy Mm -hmm. where they were in their field, but just don't want the same level of obligation, the same grind. And, you know, being able to do it a contract at a time is really helpful. It's so interesting talking about it with someone in their 20s because it's something that, you know, most people have traditionally not thought of until they're in their their early 50s as opposed to early 20s. Mm -hmm your lifestyle, the the things that you have done and that you are doing really aligns very nicely with the questions that Lauren and I like to ask. We have three questions that we typically ask our guests and it has to do with having multiple goals or pursuing multiple goals at the same time. And we can absolutely do all of them but you can't necessarily do all of them at the same time. When it comes to like debt and saving and investing, that's a really, really tangible example of that. But, you know, with that in mind, what area of your life, whether it be, and you mentioned, you know, within your your core values, pursuing health and happiness, financial freedom, purpose in your work, all of those things. Is there a specific area that right now you're giving more of your attention to? Yeah. So I am right now focusing on kind of two out of those four core areas that you mentioned. The first is purpose. I didn't fully answer your question earlier, what my life looks like now. I left my full-time job in January of this year, of course, having having no idea oh that gosh. the world was going to change as it did. And it was very exciting for me. You know, I had 
plenty of money saved for retirement. I have an emergency. January was exciting for all of us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) January was great. (laughs) When we had hope for 2020. (laughs) Yeah. So I left my job to build my own business, to become an entrepreneur. That had been a dream of mine, as I said, since I was 14. And so that was a big pursuit of purpose in my life. I didn't feel like my career Mm -hmm. was the meaningful work that I wanted it to be. And now my, my business is as a money coach and I am having tangible impacts on the quality of people's lives. And I am having a meaningful impact on the world. And that is something that I had sacrificed in the past while working towards my financial goals in a career that didn't feel as purposeful. So that is one of the areas that I'm focusing very heavily on. And I'm focusing on a part of freedom, which is becoming location independent. So in 2021, we're planning to travel full-time. And so I'll be taking my business on the road. I wish you Yes. All the best with that. I am praying for you and for all of us that COVID lets your dreams become well, a reality. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there, there very well could be revised plans in my future, but that obviously... We say extend the timeline, right? Extend yes. the timeline. Yeah. <laughs> so that might not pan out exactly as we had planned, but the goal is for me to be able to work wherever, whenever. And that is the freedom that I'm pursuing right now. Now, the part of the freedom that I'm not necessarily pursuing as heavily at the moment is the financial piece. I have already set up my financial foundation, but the lead time for creating a profitable business Mm -hmm. and for designing a life that allows you to travel full-time is not going to be immediate. You have to have a runway Mm -hmm. there. And so in particular with the craziness that's happening in the world right now, it's been a really interesting journey. And of course, we planned for this. And I'm very happy to say that it's been working out just great so far, but I'm not as heavily focused. If I were, I would have gone back to work once the coronavirus happened and our economy started to enter a recession Mm -hmm. because I would have had more of a focus on that financial and career aspect. But I wanted to to maintain my focus on working in purpose-driven work. So you answered my second question perfectly there. (laughs) The part where you are giving yourself grace or not as heavily focused on is the finance piece of it. And it's a great example of the, the rebalance that Lauren and I talk about, the idea that at different times, different areas have your focus. And when you're focusing on some, you can let the others go. I am very happy for you that the timing of when you shifted your focus aligned with the way, you know, things happen to happen in the world that worked well for you. (laughs) Lauren and I are pretty habit driven or I should say, I try to be habit driven. The last, you know, several months have challenged that in some major ways for me, but do you have any habits or strategies right now? And I, I think I picked up on one of them while you were talking, but any habits or strategies that you would identify that you feel are really key to helping you successfully meet your goals, regardless of what area you're focusing on? Yes. Yeah, so I would say the main habit, and we've touched on this a couple of times in this interview, is to mm-hmm. make sure that I am reviewing my goals for the future. So I have a journaling practice. That's why I have my core values in the front of my journal. Mm-hmm. And I do try every day to check in with 
where I'm planning on going. I have a vision written out, a specific date of next year, and this is what I'm going to be doing, and this is who I'm going to be with, and this is how I'm going to feel. And while that might not come exactly to pass that way, it gives me the motivation. It gives me some momentum to move towards things that I'm actively working to create instead of working on, you know, the busy work and the stuff that never ends in the Mm. to-do list and spending all my time on items that might seem urgent, but aren't important. I try my best to align my activities with what's really going to have the best forward momentum towards my specific goals. Lauren, I actually talked about this on another episode of this podcast is that the idea of having the real, I don't want to say the end goal, but having the vision in sight and asking yourself, are the activities that I'm pursuing right now aligning with moving me towards that vision as opposed to getting caught in the minutia? And that's like a self-sabotage thing that people do all the time for some reason. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get caught in the day-to-day busy work. It's a seemingly important task, but it's really just busy work and it is not actually moving you towards meeting your goals. I am so on board with you with that 100%. Mm-hmm. What I had picked up on though that I thought you were going to say is that you you have the habit of asking yourself, is is this going to help me reduce my debt? Mm-hmm. Does going to out to eat help me reduce my debt? No. Okay, yeah. then for now, I'm not going to do it. So I have a trick that I use for this. If I can just pop a little tip into this interview. We love tips. Yes. <laughs> if you have a specific goal, you can phrase it this way, but even more generally, I've had mm-hmm. a post-it that is inside my wallet So every time I open it, I see it. And it just has the question, how does this help you achieve your goals? And so if I was going to pull my credit card out to pay for something, I have to ask myself the question, how does this help you achieve your goals? If it's to buy healthy food, great. If it's to buy fast food, maybe it's not. Maybe maybe I'm not going to make that purchase. I have an app on my phone now that blocks my social media for certain parts of the day. And if I want to unlock it, the password is How does this help you achieve your goals? (laughs) So not only does it remind you, but it's really long. So you have to be committed to putting it in. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And it's a pattern interrupt. I think part of the habits that have really helped me get where I am is making sure that I'm consistent and making sure that I have systems in place and I'm automating my Mm -hmm. finances and I'm doing things in a systematized way. And that is spending time to review my goals, spending time to set my goals, I mean, you know, realigning if I have to. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is making sure that I'm not falling into default patterns. I think that's really easy. I fell into some, some negative patterns during the coronavirus yeah. when things had changed so significantly. Mm-hmm. And by having some opportunities to ask yourself, is this helping me get where I want to go? That really gives you the opportunity to say, no, you know what? I was a little bit out of alignment. I was a little bit off course. It's time to to adjust and to change what I was doing. That's great. That has been pivotal for me to make such significant changes in my life in five years. You know, you're not a robot. You're not a machine. You're not always going to be perfect, right? But it's a, you're going right. to slip sometimes out of the habits or out of the routines that you know are integral to moving you forward. And I think it's really important to say, you know, sometimes this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I got to give myself grace for a moment on this, but move forward. How can I make the next best decision, right? That to me, that's always what it is. Can my next decision be better and make the next decision be the best one that helps you move forward? Because it's very easy to let one slide turn into another slide and another, and then suddenly you're 
have been sleeping in until nine o'clock every day. Oh, I mean, I couldn't do that. I have three kids, but you're sleeping in really late or you're, you know, staying up late watching Netflix. I feel like those are the sorts of habits that just kind of mm-hmm. creep in because someone sits down with you and you just start watching mindless, useless, guilty pleasure mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff on TV or whatever. But yeah, like you have to take care of yourself and make the next best decision for that. So if people want to listen to you, where can they find your podcast? So my podcast is called Find Your Freedom. You can find it on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just search Find Your Freedom. You can also find it on my website. So I have a blog that goes along with the podcast. That's 20free.co. So that's the Mm -hmm. word 20, F-R-E-E.co. And you can find a link to the podcast there as well. And people can also follow you on Instagram. Yeah, it's findyourfreedom underscore podcast. Yeah, and you have a ton of great and interesting guests, people who are also pursuing fire, but doing other things as well. So it's really interesting. If you like listening to our podcast, you definitely like listening to Becky's. She's fantastic. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up? You can connect with me online on any social media platform at 20freeco. At 20freeco. And I am a money and lifestyle design coach. And something that really helps people achieve their lifestyle design is to set goals. So if you're interested, I actually have free goal setting worksheets that you can download on my website at 20free.co slash goals. Becky, what's going to happen in your 30s? What are you going to be like? I can't wait to see. <laughs> uh, there's so much happening in my 20s that I thought I was going to wait until I was 30 to do, you know, traveling full time. I'm guessing in my 30s, I will be doing slow travel around slow the world. Travel. And will you still be 20free.co in your 30s? <laughs> I'll still probably be talking about financial independence and lifestyle design for 20 something. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us. I think what you shared was so valuable and just delightful to talk to you. So thanks for sharing with our guests. Thank you for having me, Donna. Oh, you're so welcome. Be well.